Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Courageous Journey Sunday. This is a two-year anniversary of Courageous Journey. A couple of exciting things are happening at this very moment. Uh, we are live streaming this service to the Connections Room, um, and we're actually then going to be video archiving this, uh, and our hope is to actually start doing this regularly, so that way for folks that are you know, shut in, you're not able to make it to church Sunday morning for uh, work or illness, you'll be able to participate in that. And we're also hoping it works really great right now because we intend to live stream uh, next Sunday from White Mills to here, and you can all pray that that works the way that it's supposed to work. We have backup plans in place. We're, work, well, we're working on the backup plan right now because we, you know, we want to give every chance for it to succeed. Uh, but that's next week, and so we do hope that you'll join us for that. Some of you, as you are hearing it's Courageous Journey Sunday, you're going, well, that's really fantastic, but what is Courageous Journey? Uh, let me just take about 90 seconds to tell you about what it is. Uh, our church, about, well, probably about three years ago, really felt that God was calling us to do three things. One is we felt that, that we needed to give God something a little bit better on Sunday morning, and so we wanted to enhance our worship. And if you were here this morning, you know that as we moved into this new facility, that's definitely been the case. The other thing we wanted to do was to make room for more folks. We wanted to expand the fellowship here at the church. And so part of the, the classrooms that we built are part of that. Um, uh, Courageous Journey was about uh, getting the right resources together, uh, financial resources together, so that way we could make it possible to make room for some more people. And so we've done that through Sunday school classes. We've done that through uh, CSF. I know we've got a lot of CSF students that come here throughout the, uh, the school year. It's our Christian Student Fellowship up on the hill. They come here. We've expanded our fellowship to them. They come here and they play basketball. Uh, they've had several dinners here. And so our fellowship has even expanded beyond our church. And it's been exciting to see that happen. The other thing, the third thing we really wanted to do was to engage the community just a little bit more than we were doing. And, and if you're here through the week, you know, there's about two days a week where this building is full uh, of folks that homeschool, they use our facilities, um, and we've formed a lot of great relationships through that. Uh, we've, we've had Cub Scout groups here. Actually, there's a family uh, that's, that started coming to church as a result through just some connections that we made through, through, through scouting uh, as it is coming here to the building. It's just been kind of a neat thing to see stuff like that happen as we've offered ourselves, and that's what this is about, us being less. That's our church's mission. Uh, us being less so Jesus can be more, and we just kind of go out to the community with, with an open hand that says, hey, we want to help and we want to serve. How can we do that? And it's been neat to see some of those relationships get formed. And so as we felt God calling us to do that, uh, we realized that we were going to have to, you know, we were going to have to pay for this somehow. And so we just challenged everybody, hey, listen, could you pray about what your partnership would be with this? There's not a this is not a twist-your-arm kind of deal. It was between you and the Lord. Would you pray about what you think God is calling you to give, and then would you give that? And so here we are two years later. Uh, the commitments were great. Um, it's it's going to come close to the cost of the facility, um, and so it's just exciting to see what, what God has done uh, through this whole thing. And so um, this morning, I just kind of want to get some of this out of the way because I, I really... Uh, giving is something that's near and dear to my heart. It's, it's important in Scripture. We talk about it because God talks about it. Uh, but one of the things, some of you have been with us maybe for a while, and you're thinking, well, I'd like to be a part of that. Inside of your bulletin, we have these, these commitment cards. Uh, if you've already made a commitment, we're not asking you to, to make another one. Um, if you 
are visiting here with us for the first time or the second time or the third time, and you're saying, I'm not ready to make a commitment, we're not going to ask for one of these uh, at the door in order for you to leave. You know, this is just between you and the Lord. Uh, if, however, you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I really would like to be a part of this, uh, there's a year left in Courageous Journey, and you could make a commitment uh, here. You could fold that up, put that in the offering bag as it's passed, um, and we would uh, just kind of sort of count on you to, uh, to help us to, to finish this out and finish strong. If you've got questions after service about Courageous Journey, Travis Armstrong, whom you'll meet later, uh, will be in room 202. That's the connections room after service. And you could ask him questions and uh, Leanne questions and, and get those answered there. But, but that's for you. And then others, oh, I'm sorry, one other thing. Uh, some of you maybe are saying, well, I'd like to maybe revise my commitment. Maybe some of you are saying, you know, I should have committed more. Hey, well, We'll always let you write one, one more check. We won't turn that away. Others of you, though, are saying, you know, I, I maybe wrote, I maybe committed to too much. And uh, I just, I maybe need to make an adjustment. We'll let you do that, too. You know, we'll let you do that, too. So w- this, is about, this is about us just being faithful to God. I wanted to get all the Courageous Journey paperwork stuff done up front because twice a year, I love to talk about giving. And, and I do love to talk about giving because I have been blessed through giving and through making sacrifices in my own life. And that's the thing, is this isn't me asking you to give. It, it's me saying, hey, let's do this together. I want to do this with you. And, and Jenny and I have been making sacrifices. And just this week, somebody asked me, talk to me about your call to ministry. And I relayed kind of the experience I had of feeling called to ministry. But in these last, I don't know, five months since January, I've, I've had my call of ministry sort of reimagined. And I had somebody essentially ask me, maybe God called you to ministry because you needed to spend more time in His Word than most other people. <laughs> and, you know, you hate to admit it, but I think he was right. I really think God called me into ministry because I, I need to be here more than you do. I do. And so God said, listen, if you're going to make it, if you're going to stand a chance of making it, I'm going to have to hold you really close. And so he called me to ministry, I think, for that. And so through these last um, two years, uh, as Jenny and I have been making sacrifices in our own home, I've learned a lot about giving and about God's goodness and his faithfulness. And this morning, I, I just I want to share with you from my heart about that. Uh, I, I went back this, these, well, about a month ago and looked through the texts we originally looked at there in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And it was like reading them fresh for the first time. And so I, there's about five lessons I've learned in giving through this experience. And I just, I really want to share those with you. And this morning, I just, I'm going to put this out there also. I know there's people in this room who have never, ever given to the church. And you're like, I'm never, ever going to give to the church because that's all the church is interested in is in my money. They just want more nickels and more noses. Um, here's the thing. I believe giving is so important for your soul, and I mean this, for your soul, for your spiritual development, that if you leave this morning and you are convicted to give, but you just can't bring yourself for whatever reason to write a check to a church, I would say you start to budget and write a check to God, and you leave this place, and you find an organization that's ministering in the name of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't have to be us. It could be the Salvation Army. It could be uh, Hope House, it could be a thousand other organizations, but I will tell you, give it a shot, try it, try giving, try sacrificing, take God at his word, and just see what happens, and I think that you will find some amazing things happen. All right, let's, let's, let's get into the text. Let me share with you these lessons I've learned, but let's pray before we do that. Um, so bow your heads with me. Gracious Lord, we come to you this morning, and we are 
uh, humbled by your goodness, and we are still in wonder and amazement at what you've been able to do uh, through us, through this group of people here, this faithful group of people. And Lord, perhaps it shouldn't amaze us. You said if we just had a little bit of faith, you know, one of us could move a mountain, Lord, and, and there's a whole bunch of us who've had a little bit of faith, and, and there's a building here, Lord, and it's really exactly what you told us could happen. And so, Lord, as, as we share this morning, as I share this morning, and as, as we look at the text, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, five lessons um, in, I suppose, no particular order. Uh, the first one is this. If you've got a desire to give, the desire to give starts in the grace of God. That's lesson one. The desire to give starts in the grace of God. I don't know that any of us, in and of ourselves, just walk around going, man, I just, I just want to give. I just want to give. I think there's something that gets stirred up inside of us. I think it's a conviction. I think it's something that just kind of moves in us, and we say, man, I want to give. I want to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. This is exactly what happened to the Corinthian church. Paul shared uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, so back a book in, in, in several months, if not a year or two, um, Paul shares in 1 Corinthians that there is a need in the, the city of Jerusalem. And he says, could you give to that need? He, he just writes that to the Corinthian church, real underwhelming statement. Just, hey, there's a need, there's a collection, get the instructions from Galatia, help us out. And, and yet something happened in the church at Corinth, and we don't have documentation or their bulletins from Sunday morning, but we know that they were fired up and that they wanted to give. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted the churches of Macedonia. He is talking about the grace of God, and what is it, what is it, uh, how does it lived out? Verse 3, it says, They voluntarily gave according to their means, and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. Paul is going to tell us that giving is about God, that, that God stirs something us that, that in us, that God gives us grace, and that we respond and we say, God, I want to be involved in that. Now, some of you this morning, you might be saying, well, what does that look like practically, giving starts in the grace of God? I think it looks real practical. It, it looks real normal. It's you start to sense a need, you, you know, whether it's to help a child or a family or an organization or you see a need in the community, and God's grace just sort of convicts you and stirs up a desire in you to be a part of that. And you say, God, this is the practical part. You just pray about it. You say, God, what can I do to be a part of what's going on? And you just pray about that. And then you start to feel led, and you test it out. And maybe if you're kind of a first-time giver, you kind of dip your toe in the water, and you say, all right, well, I'll give $20. And then maybe you go, oh, that wasn't so bad, and you put your foot in there. You go, well, I'm gonna, maybe I'm going to give $100 now. And, and you slowly maybe work your way into that. But it starts with just a little bit of a seed there that God puts into our hearts. And I'll tell you, giving is an exciting partnership. It really, really is. It's an investment in the kingdom of God. And the best thing about the kingdom of God is that it will never lose its value. You don't have to stay up and wait for the market report to tell you that God is coming out ahead at the end of the day. And if you've been with us through this journey and you have given in this journey, then you know how exciting it is to see some of the dreams that we had dreamed, that we believe God had put in our hearts and in our minds, to see those start to come to fruition. It's amazing to see that happen. And so that's one of the lessons I've learned. That's kind of one of the early ones. The second lesson, another early lesson is this, is that giving's got a lot of blessings. 
One of the blessings that it, it has is that it helps us to be more like Jesus. Giving helps us to be more like Jesus. It's just how it is. Uh, don't believe me. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he, you know the word, that he, yeah, that's it. Yeah, people ask me all the time, why should I give? <laughs> because God gives. <laughs> why, why should I be generous? Because Jesus was generous. What more reason do we need than that Jesus was generous? He gave his life. So if you want to be more like Jesus, then give. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yes, he was God, he, for your sakes he became poor, he became human, so that by his poverty you might become rich. You see, that's the amazing thing about this, is that we started to see what God was doing and the stirring that was in our hearts. We said, man, I want to be a part of that because I want to be more like Jesus. And giving is so good for your soul. It is so good for your heart. Jesus said it this way. He said that where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we put it the other way around. We go, well, if I care about something, I'm going to give. And Jesus said it, it works in reverse, too. He said if you give, then you start to care about it. And it's true. It really is true. Uh, how many of you know what the price of the Coca-Cola stock closed at on Friday? You know, uh, if you do know, it's because you own some Coca-Cola stock. Otherwise, you don't care. That market report comes up on the news, and you're like, all right, we're done, or you leave, I'm going to get a drink of water. You don't care because you're not invested. But all of a sudden, you start to buy some of that, and you start to go through it, and you start to go, well, what is that going to close at today? How's it trending? And you all of a sudden become an expert in that. Same thing's true with, I mean, a ministry like Hope House. Some of you know Hope House is down there, but you write a check to Hope House. You write a check to Hotel Inc., which is a group we support. You write a check to Hotel Inc., and all of a sudden, you want to know, what are they doing down there Monday through Friday? Where's my money going? How's it being spent? Same thing happens at the church. You don't care what happens at the church so long as it's mildly entertaining on Sunday morning, and you feel better about about yourself when you leave. But when you start to give to the church, you then all of a sudden go, well, how's that money being spent? Can, can I see how things are being spent? Can I see what good is coming of this? And that's how it should be. Giving, it moves our hearts into the things of God. You can invest in many things. You can give to many things. But when you give to the ch church, you're giving to the kingdom of God and your passion and your heart will follow that. And so that's kind of where giving starts. It starts in the grace of God. It stirs us up. And then we look at the example of Jesus and we go, man, I want to be like him. I think all of this happened back in 1 Corinthians 16. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16, he said, hey, listen, um, there's a need in Jerusalem. And the people were like, yeah, God's doing something. Jesus sacrificed for those people in Jerusalem. I, I want to do something like that too. And so they got excited, and they got passionate, and they, they maybe wrote Paul back, and, and they, well, I, we know they wrote Paul back because he knows that they're doing some collection. And they said, yeah, Paul, we're going to make a commitment, and this is what we're going to do. And they're excited. But if that was all it took, was just a little bit of excitement in the example of Jesus, then there would be no reason to write 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. If all you needed to do was just be passionate and have a little bit of, of, of a model from Jesus, if that's all you needed to be a really good giver... Then, then why would you write the rest of this? Well, because something happened between 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 8. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was uh, the water heater that went out. Maybe the transmission in the car broke. Maybe there was 
some sort of like thing like braces that your kids were diagnosed with needing. Maybe there was, you know, the rent went up or the job moved to Mexico. I don't know what it was, but, but in 1 Corinthians 16, it seemed awfully easy to be a giver. But something happened between 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 8 that made it a little bit harder. The reality became a little more real. The sacrifice became a little bit more difficult. Can I get an amen? Yes. I mean, I know that's your story. I know that it's not just Matt and Melanie's story. I know it because in, in many ways it's my story. It's, it's Jenny's and my story. You know, we've been through these things. You know, we struggle. We, we get what you're, you know, we get the, the feeling. I get it. You know, we could probably all talk about things that have gone wrong. You know, whether it was the refrigerator or the tuition or an accident or a diagnosis. And friends, it's hard. And what's hard for you maybe is not as hard for somebody else. And what's super hard for somebody else maybe makes yours pale in comparison. You know, I know we, we've, you know, you struggle, you give, you do these things, and you still end up with a broken arm, a broken thumb, and two scary tax bills, and kids that just keep growing, and you got to keep buying shoes for them. What's that all about? I mean, this is, we moved to Kentucky so we wouldn't have to buy so many pairs of shoes. It's how it is. And if you're like me a little bit, you kind of get that pledge statement in the mail and you look at that number and you go, really? Are, are you sure that's right, Travis? Isn't, isn't this number supposed to be just a little bit higher? Because gosh, it feels like I've already given the whole thing and you're telling there's more? And then you realize Travis is a CPA and his numbers are a lot better than yours are. That's why God called, you to, called me to ministry, not to be a bookkeeper. But you feel that pain between 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 8. And, and I'll tell you, as I went through this and I prepared for the Sunday and I prayed about and I thought about all the things, you know, we'd been through and all the places we'd been kind of like, hey, listen, God, you know, we're doing this for you. Do you think we could catch a break here? I mean, this is the wrong attitude, but I mean, it's mine, so I've got to own it. So you, you deal with these things. And there was a verse that hit me sort of like a ton of bricks. How about this one? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 11. I love the way the NIV renders this. It says, now finish the work. Paul says, hey, back in 1 Corinthians 16, you were eager to do this. Now finish it. Now finish the work. So that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. I'll tell you, friends, I like the Corinthians, maybe not you, maybe it's just me, but I like the Corinthians need to be reminded of this, this third lesson of giving. It's this, is that eagerness starts the project, it's love that finishes it. Eagerness starts the project, love finishes it. That's how it is. I mean, it's so much easier to start things than to finish things. It's so much easier to get started in a project and to go, go you know, do the things you need to do and just, you know, get it started and it's halfway finished and you go, all right, I'll get around to this a little bit later. And, and so long as it's livable, you know, uh, sometime later keeps getting pushed back to sometime later and it's hard to finish because we're all eager to start, but there's something, it takes something else, it takes something a little bit more to finish it out. And that thing is love. 
The bigger the project, the more costly the sacrifice, the harder it is to finish. This is why Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he's saying this. He says, listen, I know it has been hard since 1 Corinthians 16. I know that you started well. I know that you've had some bumps on the road. I know the economy isn't what you'd hoped it would be and your investments didn't come out the way you'd planned and that some things in your life didn't go according to what you were hoping for. Listen, you were eager to start. I know you've got the love in you, Corinthian church. Finish strong. Finish strong. Now finish the work. And when we do that, here's the beautiful thing. Is that we grow stronger as a family when we each do our part. We do. We grow stronger as a family when we each do our part. Our motto of the campaign from the very, 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 very beginning was this equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. Equal sacrifices, not equal gifts. Paul gets at this in 2 Corinthians 8, 13. He says this. He says, I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of fair balance between Paul here this morning is saying, I don't want this to be hard on you and easy on your neighbor. I don't want this to be easy on you and hard on your neighbor. He says, I want us to just all do our part. Do what you can according to your means, Paul says. Do what you can according to your means. And that's what we want. Everybody to do their part. You might have thought this, my gifts aren't that much, nobody's going to miss them, they don't count, or if I were to tell you what they were, you know, you wouldn't, you'd laugh at them, well, I wouldn't laugh at them because I don't know what anybody gives, I don't know what any of you have given to this thing. I just know that we've all got to do our part, spiritually speaking, we've all got to do our part. You know, when we started this campaign, uh, we talked to, you know, a couple of people who had been down this road before us, we didn't have experience with this sort of thing, so we talked to some folks and they said, listen, if you're going to successfully have a campaign of the size you're hoping to have, you're going to have to have some people in your church bring in one of those big checks, you know, and maybe not like size-wise, but numerically-wise. And it really should have six numbers on it and not like including the ones after the, the decimal point. You know, it needs to have, you know, the $6 figure is what we, not $6, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Uh, you're going to need some of those if you're going to be able to do what you want to do. And so then they said, do you think you haven't been in your church that could write that sort of check? And I said, well, I don't know. I sort of don't think so. Well, we don't know how this is going to go for you. Well, I don't know what to tell you because we really feel like this is what God's calling us to do. So let's just move on and give it our best shot and see what happens. And so we didn't get any six-figure checks that I know of. Maybe some have come in later. None were committed. Actually, no gift was larger. The original commitment, over 50000 No gift was higher than that. But you know what we did have more than anybody else? We had 50% more people give than the national average. We had 50% more people give because you said, man, we believe in the mission of what's going on. And so it is smaller gifts and smaller checks and smaller amounts. And you're going, it feels huge to me. And yes, it is because it is an equal sacrifice, not an equal gift. But it worked because we were able to all do our part. The last lesson I've learned of giving is this, is that giving grows our faith as we trust God's ability to provide. It's been interesting to me, just in my own life, I want to be transparent with you and open up a little bit. I, I think as we got into this, I really believe God was doing something amazing. I really felt God was going to do this through us. But if, if I had to put a percentage of faith in God and faith in you, 
Um, I, I, I didn't, couldn't have put my finger on this at the time. It's really only recently I've learned this lesson. Um, but I would have probably said I, I probably put about 70% of faith in you, 30% in God. Maybe 60 in you, 40 in God. But I think I'd put more faith in us as a church together than God. And you go, well, how do you know that? Well, it's, a, it's interesting. Because for us, I said, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. But when it comes to the matter of me making those sacrifices and me having to write that check, or we do the electronic giving thing, me having to transfer that stuff over, you're not there to help me with that. It's sort of me and God at that point in time. And so there are times when it's like, you know, this doesn't really make a lot of sense to do this. And it's forced me to say, you know what? I have to trust God for myself. I have to trust God for my family. I have to trust God for my needs. This verse means a whole lot to me in 2 Corinthians chapter six or chapter 9, verse 6 through 12. I would love for us to read this together because I think this in many ways sort of captures this. So let's, let's read this together. It says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Friends, that's God's word. That is the Word of God. And here's what it says. It says that God will take care of us. It does not say this. It does not say that if you give $1,000 to a church or ministry or some guy on TV with great-looking hair and, and bleached teeth, that you will get $10,000 back. It does not say that. It does not say that if you write $1,000 to the church that you're going to get a check in the mail for the same amount. It does not say that. It does not say that if you give $1,000 or $100 or even $10 that your life will be easier in, in proportion to the gift you give. It does not say that either. What this verse says, and this is a promise from God, not a get-rich-quick scheme, what this verse says is this, is that God is able to provide for you. That if you step out and are generous with God, God will step out and enable you to be that generous person. That when you step out on faith, God is going to meet you in that place. That's what it says. Because here's the beautiful thing. God has not ordered anything that he cannot pay for. God, like the commercial, does not have alligator arms, okay? You know, the check doesn't come to the table and he's like, oh, give me that. I'd like to, I'd like to grab that, but I can't, I can't reach it. I can't take care of it. That's not how it works. God is generous, and he is able to be generous with us. And so the lesson I've learned, this is probably the last one I've learned lately, and I suspect I'm going to learn a few more before this is all over, is this, is that God's got this. Would you say that with me? God's got this. 
I have to remind myself of that from time to time. Maybe, why don't you say it one more time? Maybe this time like you, like you believe it. Give it a try. Just try it on and see how that works. God's got this. He does. God's got this. And what we've got to do is trust that God has got this. All right, our worship team is going to come up this morning, and we're going to sing a song of decision. I want to just give you three thoughts on how you might use this time. Thought number one is this. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, this would be a great morning to do that. It's courageous journey is about being good stewards of what God's given to us. And if you've not surrendered your life to God, you've, you're starting off on the wrong foot. Don't give a dollar, don't give a cent, don't give anything until you've given yourself to Jesus. Start there. Second thing is this. Perhaps some of you have been with us this morning and you're like, man, I want to be a part of this church and I want you to know you can count on me. And so I'm going to, I want to come forward. I want to become a part of Bowling Green Christian Church and part of the BGCC family. If so, we'd love for you to come forward and become a part of the church, part of the church family. Others of you this morning, perhaps you're, you, as we've been talking about this, you said, man, yeah, I, I do want to give. I want to start giving. I want to try it out. And I want, to, I want to try it here with the church. If so, I'd love for you to just use this time. You don't need to come forward. You're not going to make a big show about it. Just you and the Lord, just pray about that. Maybe during this song, you pray about that. And you say, God... I want to do this. I want to do this. Will you help me to do this? If you're married, uh, your spouse is here with you. Maybe put your arm around your spouse. Draw them close to you and say, hey, what are, what are you thinking? What do you think we should do? Maybe have that little bit of conversation here this morning. Maybe take some time to pray. And when you're ready, if you want to, make, make that commitment. Put it in the offering bag as it's passed. But this morning, here's what I want all of us to do, is to just renew ourselves to, to being committed to sacrificing for God, whether it's financially, whether it's our time. I don't know what it is, but God has called all of us to be partners with him in this. And so our worship team, come on out, guys. We're going to go ahead and sing this song, and we'll use this time, rather, I want you to use this time to just prayerfully ask God that one question. God, what is it that you would have me give? And respond accordingly. See how it goes. See what happens. Why don't you stand as we sing?